When I first heard Pamela Slim talking about her book, The Whitest Net, on Douglas Burdett's Marketing Book Podcast, I was like, finally, somebody that has cracked the code on creating an ecosystem around your business. I had to have her on this podcast. I read her book. I immediately implemented some of her ecosystem strategies into what we do, started teaching it in our boot camp. That's why we had her on this show. This is actually, you know, it's a live internet talk show like we always do, but it was also the kickoff of our boot camp um, session number two. And we rolled right into kind of like intros for this because I thought it was so valuable. So I want you to pay special attention to how Pamela describes this idea of the value of identifying your ecosystem, what people get wrong, which is this idea that is not about your business, it's about your client. Um, This really important piece, which is the mission and the why and the core values and the product and the problem that you're solving that even I tend to skip over all the time. And I'm going to save the Marvel movie takeaway for right after the show. I'm trying to keep these intros short just to get you hooked and know what you're getting into, but you're really, really going to enjoy this. Pamela's name is an awesome lady. And uh, right after the show, I'm also going to talk about where my team is going to be, what conferences we're going to, where you can meet us right now. Enjoy uh, basically my new hero, Pamela Slim. If you know how it is, then you know how it might be. But think what it would look like if you grow your own community. It ain't easy. That's why you're listening to hear experiences from others just like you and me. Welcome to the B2B Community Builder Podcast, a show that was started because if you can unlock the power of having a community around your business, then you will create a source of referrals, validation, marketing content, and product feedback that will be unbeatable. But who has time to think about building a community when you need to be making sure that your team has what it needs to succeed in serving clients and bringing in revenue? That is why we'll be talking to business leaders like you and I that have cracked the code on why the community play is so valuable, how to implement tactics that got them there while still serving short-term goals, and what they can teach you that they have mastered. This show is for you if you are a CEO, CMO, or simply a rainmaker that has realized that without a community, you are just a commodity, but haven't figured out how to add it to your infinite list of priorities. This show is for you if you are a community professional or trying to be a community professional that is trying to convince leadership about the need to invest in a community strategy. This show is not for you if you think transactions are more valuable than relationships. I am your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez, co-founder of BeTheStage.Live, a marketing company that specializes in relationship-driven growth. I invented the relationship flywheel and hopefully... I'm your new best friend. So smash that subscribe button, leave a rating when you do, and get ready to plug into the power of community creation for business development. Let's go. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the B2B Community Builder Show. We are in season five. Today is the official launch of the Relationship Flywheel Bootcamp. So I welcome all the campers that are joining us on this call that are rolling into the the kickoff a little bit after. I'm your chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez. With me today is a lady that may be the coolest lady I have ever met, just for the record. She is a marketing strategist. She's a business coach. She launched one of the most kind of like innovative, interesting projects I've ever heard of in commercial real estate today, which is the K Main Street Learning Lab in Mesa, Arizona. She has authored three books Escape from Cubicle Nation, Body of Work, and this book, The Whitest Net, which absolutely rocked my world so hard that I immediately adopted some of her methodologies into the bootcamp that we're talking about a little bit later, but I couldn't recommend it anymore. And she just keeps dropping super cool facts on me. Like she studied abroad three times in college. She's married to a medicine man. I don't know. I don't, you know, she just got back from here. She's the coolest. Pamela Slim, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I am super happy to be here, and it's wonderful to meet everybody as I see your your names rolling in from all over. 
Super pumped to have you on board, Pamela. You know, I have this little tradition, which is a roll call. I like to acknowledge the audience. So let, let's kick it off real quick. Rowan, our community manager, is in the house. If you need anything from the chat, she is she is here to help. Joshua Wayne, my new friend, intro to me by another Joshua who's in uh, the D.C. area. Gareth Beverly, my good friend from uh, the one British guy I went to high school with. That was one of my best friends. Lee Bishop, the MVP of the Not Average Investor Show community, who is now quickly becoming the MVP of this community. Tony Winslow, a super talented marketer from Cincinnati that is helping me on our demand gen strategy. Deb Shell is in the house. Deb, I'm going to have to get to know you a little better. Luisa Escobar. Luisa, I believe she's from Argentina and she's helping out my buddy, Mike McCarthy in this boot camp. Pumped to get to know you, Luisa, in the boot camp. Who else we got? Anybody else check in here? All right. Joanna Bautista, our senior account manager at Be The Stage. We got Isar Matis, my Israeli business partner. I'm just trying to show off an international thing to impress everybody. Trina Serechia, one of the stars of the last bootcamp. Jess Merrill, another star of the last bootcamp who is soon to be our client. We're about to kick that off. She's changing the game when it comes to uh, fundraising and uh, nonprofits. So pay attention to what Jess is doing. Super, super interesting stuff. All right, Pamela, time to talk to the star of the show. But we have to clarify that Luisa is from Colombia, which is the place where I lived. So not... Argentina, let's be really clear. I just wanted to make that sure. Luisa, I got you. So, Colombia. Luisa, as a Venezuelan person who's been called Argentinian (laughs) before, I apologize. (laughs) We will get to the meat, but let's just get that straight to start. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get to it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pamela, for saving me at least the first time so far on the show. Pamela, you know, like one of the things we, we promoted this thing as a you know, missing playbook from category design, because in category design, the whole idea of the ecosystem that comes with a category is so huge. And I've just never seen another framework for creating an ecosystem and how you go about it, which is really, really impressive. But what really spoke to my heart was the idea that, you know, 2019, after my purposeful pause, I came out of that thinking my mission is to prove community creation is the future of business development. And the moment that I started selling community, I got hit with a wall of Communities just not a Monday morning problem. So I, I had to kind of just reinvent what I was selling to kind of bring community on the back end of what we're executing. And I would love to, I would love to ask you what you think of that statement. When I say community is not a Monday morning problem, where does your head go? Well, first with probably great compassion, because yes, anybody who is a community builder at heart has <clears throat> reached the the blank stare sometimes when you talk to people about the, that being a core element of business building. What I think it's like for any kind of strategic focus that you might have is if if we look at any other part of our life where maybe we want to be drinking more water and we say overall, each of us in 10 years wants to be much more healthy and to bring more water into our life, that in general, it can be hard to imagine like a small action that you would take on a Monday morning that that would be taking one additional sip of water that would really make a difference to just being in the very best shape of your life and the best health 10 years from now. But it is that kind of incremental thing where mm. as soon as you recognize, and this is a point of view. So I part of what I like about the world of business is there's all kinds of different points of view. There are different values. There are different metaphors that people relate to. So <clears throat> in order for it to be true, that community is a really important part of building a business. We need to share the value that relationships are really at the heart of business. And we might also share a value, which is it is hard to get things done alone. It is hard to build a business. It's hard to run a company if you're not doing it connected with other people. So I imagine people who are gathered around you have probably crossed that bridge to say, yes, it's hard to do it by yourself. And yes, I would love to be doing business in a way that feels natural and highly relational. If you agree with those things, that's when when we break down the behaviors and the day-to-day activities of, of building a business, community building in a component of it has to be a Monday morning activity because when it hits you, if you've been one of the lucky ones, I don't know if anybody's been in that case before. I think of the days when I started my business 25 years ago, it was in Silicon Valley. It was a high growth time. I had a very valuable skill set. I was director of training and development. There were all kinds of programs being built. So I stepped directly from my role 
into self-employment. And pretty much from the first day I stepped in, I was making more money and doing better because it just was the nature of what was happening in that environment. I could have told myself I was the most brilliant business person in the world when the reality was I was just lucky. And I happened to step into a situation where there was a market and I knew how to sell myself. But as soon as things start to dry up, as soon as the as things contracted, which is what I saw in 2000, and all of us have seen many times since, that often is when you begin to recognize how important it is to have an ecosystem and have a community. When everything's going good, you won't notice it yeah. until things dry up. Such uh, such good stuff to unpack there. The, f- the first thing that I would love to just repeat is relationships are at the heart of business, right? Like I, as, as we iterate through our messaging, the idea that relationships are the atomic unit of business is something that's become very, very clear to us. And whether it's the relationships inside the company or relationships with your clientele or, you know, with the market at large, that's kind of the key to the ecosystem. And, and to your point, if you believe that as a strategist that you are, then you know, it might be an extra sip of water if what I'm trying to do is just get really, really healthy on a Monday morning, but your strategy mm-hmm. has to lead to community it ha- or lead to health, right? So I, I love I love how you frame that. And then what, what really just resonated with me is that your network, your community, your relationships are, are the... I frame it as the diversification of your of your portfolio of life, right? Like your investments, yeah. you can't have everything go to hell, but if you're well diversified in your relationships or your portfolio or whatever it is, you're going to be okay. That's right. And I, I just remember looking, I remember back at, at the, the one of the first cra- of many crashes, economic crashes I've seen in 25 years in business. I remember very specifically, I was working in Silicon Valley with tons of tech companies. I remember there was a company that gave a a, a BMW convertible as a signing bonus to brand new engineers right out of, right out of uh, gradu- you know, graduating. It was a heady time to, to be there. But I kid you not, because I was living in Silicon Valley at the time too. So it went from looking at just this parking lot filled with all these amazing cars to a week later, having empty parking lots, mass, you know, mass layoffs. And what I had been doing, not realizing at that point many years ago, that was ecosystem building and tiny marketing actions. I had relationships in financial services for a few of the protected areas, places like Charles Schwab. Somehow I had been building relationships with folks in in insurance. So I had this big project with Fireman's Fund Insurance. And exactly as you said, that was the thing that saved me. Because again, we don't realize how much we need people until we need them. And at that point, it's generally too late. I don't mean that you can never build a business again, but yeah. it's really hard if you have no business at all to yeah. begin the slow process of building community. Yeah, yeah. It's it's too late to not just take a monumental step back or have to rebuild or whatever. Totally, man, that's, that's, right. that's great. Yeah, yeah. I think about... Yeah, I mean, we can we can go down all sorts of metaphors of that, but that's that's a really really great example of you know you gotta you gotta have cross contextual cross industry relationships, and that's an ecosystem, and you know like you're you're gonna be okay when when one part fails. All right, Pamela, I wanna I wanna dive into I wanna dive into your book and pay a little homage to our friend Douglas Burdett, who I'm gonna I'm gonna steal from his from his style because I think the marketing book podcast is phenomenal. In your book, you have this awesome kind of like cheat sheet of understanding your methodology in the introduction where you say, you don't have to read the whole book to understand it. <laughs> you can just read this stuff and then you can dive into the book, right? But basically, you talk about understanding that your problem is worth solving to begin with, knowing and recognizing the char- characteristics of your of your ideal client, right? Like you're the person that you want to solve figuring out what the right offer is in order to get them enrolled into into what you're trying to do, connecting to the right watering holes in order to really delineate your ecosystem and and figure out your ecosystem, building relationships, um, creating creating tiny marketing actions, which I really, really love, and understanding how to sell over time as you scale, building partnerships, and once you are in the admirable state of a well-oiled business with consistent leads of great prospects, you need to operationalize this marketing work, hire folks to work with you, and consistently plan to connect with new and interesting markets. Right. So, I, I wanna I wanna start kind of at the at the beginning 
three pieces of that because even even us, my my business, my my partnership with ESAR, who totally get the value of an ecosystem and a community, we still we still bash our heads against the whole like, what is the problem we solve? What who is the client and what is the exact mm-hmm. offer? Right. Like we are, you know, we are continuing to iterate through that and and really more than anything, having to fight ourselves from falling in love with this like tactic that we want to implement or LinkedIn is the way it's going to crush or, you know, like who do we hire, right? Like how do you, how, when you're talking to clients and you're implementing this stuff, what's, what's the best way to, to convince folks to really, really understand that piece? And how do you know when you have that, those parts understood? The, the first third of the book, as you're saying, really is this foundation of recognizing that in order to be really strategic about how you're spending your time to be efficient and effective, what all of us need to do. I don't know if it's the case for folks here on the call, but for a lot of people, you start to talk about building community and that's where they have that. It's not a Monday morning problem. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally know that's that's great. That's important to do, but I really don't have time because I have to do business development, <laughs> right? So that's where it's like, okay, let's let's get aligned in looking at if we think about it from a travel metaphor perspective, having just traveled a little bit, we did an amazing family trip to Europe, which was so much fun. And when you think about it at first, in order to have a really good specific context for tactics, for the kinds of things you might be doing in order to connect with, with your ideal clients, at first, you need to just make sure you're going to the right part of the world. And that's where a lot of the the mission, the goals, the thinking about ideal clients can be where you're really like, you know, what actually motivates me in business? Of all the things that I want to contribute in the world, what are some things that I can feel like I can really wrap my arms around? And very often for founders, that's that very personal connection. There's often a personal story to it. I know for me, in general, I don't know why, but I just am so excited anytime I can be teaching something that helps to strengthen a financial foundation. Because I've seen so much. I've lived through the experience as, as a young kid, having when my parents divorced, having seen my mom work three jobs and struggle and just knowing that feeling when you're worried and your your parents are scared and they don't know how they're going to make mortgage. So like I know that lived experience. I know the experience of sitting across the table from somebody who's about to get laid off. And when they hear the news and they're shocked to feel that terrible feeling if they have no other plan. Mm-hmm. And so there's ways that you can connect. For me, it just tends to be around building this economic strength and teaching people that no matter the situation, there are ways that you can grow a business or grow your career that becomes a starting place of like, yes, okay, so we're generally going to the continent of Europe or let's go to South America. Let's go visit Luisa and relatives in Colombia, right? So generally you want to start there. Like this is the area in which we want to work. And then when you start to work through things like values and ideal customer, it's putting a specific point saying, in this general area, here is maybe more of a specific issue that I want to be working with people on. Here is something of all the people who might be writing and speaking about ways to build your your business, what is a part where I can be contributing something unique? And that to me is the part where we narrow in the audience, we narrow in the offering, we might look left to right and say, oh, somebody is doing a great job about SEO and search and, you know, automating things like that's already covered. What isn't covered, and I know that's part of what led me to write this book, is a methodical way in which you can help people think about how to build an ecosystem. So with that, it's, it's, if we just take that travel metaphor, it helps you to say, okay, I'm in France, and now I'm in Paris, and now I'm in this particular place. Now that I'm here, what are the tactics I'm going to use in order to make things happen, right? Or I'm in Colombia and I'm in Bogota. Mm-hmm. What should I use? That's the part that if you don't pay attention to that, if you're just willy-nilly starting to use different marketing tactics, like LinkedIn is the thing or create a funnel and automate, that's often why people don't get any yeah. impact because there's no context of knowing that they're in the right place. Yes. Yes. All right. So if I'm, if I'm hearing correctly, it's start with the end in mind, right? What's the mission? Where does the mission need to take you? 
And if that's where you're going, right, then you can, you can reverse engineer kind of like who are the people that need to go there or the people that are there or need to go there that you can truly help. And that's, and that's like the number one thing, right? Like, yeah, it's going from a big, like, here's a, if all the, I could do a bunch of different things, let me narrow it down. If all the people in the world who I want to help, like who are the ones I actually enjoy working with Yeah. of all the things I could be doing? Is there some way of thinking about solving a subset of this problem? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that to me in the framework of the book is your audience definition. So you would define your audience, not by demographics necessarily, like they're in the automotive industry, but it would be, I work with marketing managers who have, you know, who are committed to increasing their, you know, brand awareness by 15% next year. And that way people can recognize themselves in that. And then you could be building specific strategies to address it. Yeah. Yeah. The people recognize themselves in that is one of the, one of the things that we've struggled with the most, right? Cause in, in our language of like, we want people that want to build community or we want people that are relationship business focused, right? Like it, it seems a little bit too wide and we're, we're kind of settling in on this idea that the people that we want to work with are definitely core values led companies, right? So, so yeah. this idea that if we can speak to how much pride you have in your core values, why not shine a line on it by having this like weekly show where people can interact with your people and, and create this marketing content. And as we're, as, as I'm also developing it more and more, it feels like the, the B2B tech space is so flooded with people executing podcast strategies that I'm, that I'm, I'm gravitating more towards like the tech enabled service provider with a national footprint they need some kind of like exposure and some differentiation and like their service is really something that really, really matters to them as opposed to their tool or whatever. So that's kind of where we're headed. Is that, are we warm there on, on kind of. I, yeah, I love that because yes, you, you're always trying to translate whatever we have our own internal baseball or soccer, whatever sport you like, we have our own terminology that we use. And that's where we get all excited about community building. If you're already a community builder, but when you think about it from the perspective of your clients, what are they trying to do? What, what is a problem challenge or aspiration they have? Mm -hmm. And how can you be translating your work in a meaningful way? And then what I like about the differentiation when we think about ecosystems is that already when people are trying to do that, they're already out there looking for, for resources, for speakers, for, you know, they're listening to other podcasts. And probably if you're really tuning into those folks you want to help, they're like, yeah, this is good, but they always miss this unique part about who we are. Or Mm -hmm. I know for a lot of my folks who are very much relationship people, they're like, yeah, I get all the tactics and tools, but I just kind of feel disheartened when people just begin to talk about, you know, prospects or clients as numbers and and, and it feels dehumanizing and I don't like that. And so these are little clues you can listen for mm. where somebody's saying what's missing is this or what's not being covered is this. And that's where you begin to really hone in. Love that. Love that. And he starts putting thinking from a jobs to be done perspective in order to truly understand things from the client's perspective. And yeah, I like that. So I want to, I want to, key into Lee's got a question, right? So, so Lee is a, so I'm I'm just going to read it. Pamela, I am migrating from real estate investor to hard money lender. She has the same community. He has the same community, but he has shifted Mm -hmm. focus from like wholesaling homes to selling money, right? It is not a tough sell, but he wants to know how he can make himself unique. How would you, how would you kind of recommend Lee to think about how to, how to key in on that when he's basically just selling a financial vehicle. And, you know, I feel like that's, that's an industry that has a hard time with it. It's very commoditized. For sure. So that's a great opportunity. I think when you think of, so in this case, Lee, you might've said that the kinds of clients that you work with could potentially, the people you might've sold homes to could, could also be the same ones that you would sell financial services to, in addition to, to a new, new people so much of what can be helpful is thinking about this marriage between your own experience and, and the understanding that you have in general about what drives people to be making financial decisions, mm-hmm. the fact that you've been inside so many conversations about homes, which for many people is one of the biggest financial decisions they'll make, could be a really important thing for your ideal clients and customers. But to get clear on the audience segment and the profile of who it is that you're working with and to really think about for them, what is the most important thing 
that is at the top of their mind when they're making investments. For some people, it's all about the actual financial returns of like, I just want to make sure that I'm betting the right way. The economy can go through ups and downs. I want somebody who really has solid perspective and a track record, in which case it might be a little bit hard to be positioning yourself against somebody who's had 30 years of experience in financial services. There can be another segment of an audience who's like, I really know I want to be making some decisions, but every time I talk to an an advisor, I feel like I'm talked down to and shamed for what I decisions I didn't make before. And I really hate that. <laughs> and you would be amazed at how often I hear that because I talk to people so much about their financial life. This can be an example where you can really lean into that segment and say, I'm going to be addressing these conversations with you in a very straightforward way. You're never going to hear me criticizing past decisions that you made. Let's look forward and really create a, you know, a, a positive future. So Based on the the kinds of clients that you want to serve, lean in and listen to what they say that they're looking for. Ask them questions like, "What has prevented you from doing in this in the past, or have you what have you tried before, and why didn't it work?" And then that's where you want to find and match some of your natural strengths. One of the metaphors I use a lot for people who might be new in a profession but with deep experience is that you are the cake. So people think, oh, I'm a brand new financial investor and, and therefore I have to like make the case that I'm brand new. And I'm like, no, 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 that part of your career is the frosting. All those years of experience that you have doing real estate is the cake. So don't forget that, but don't pretend to have more years experience than you have, which I know, Lee, you would never do. But I think that's the way to, to make that transition and really leverage the experience from the past but listen in for what is the main thing that has prevented people from moving forward in the past. That's great. I think describing Lee as the cake is very apt because he is a wonderful (laughs) guy. When he walks in a room, everybody wants to sing happy birthday, right? (laughs) So if I'm hearing you correctly, right? Lee's this like super warm guy that is always very helpful. So I, I think it would, it would, tie into exactly what you're saying. He's also mm-hmm. extremely relationship driven and like a super like cheerleader for people. And and that mm-hmm. might be one of these like, hey, if you're flipping a home and trying to be a slumlord, I'm not for you. But if you're really trying to provide a great place to live for someone and not just cash out, then you know I can give you the best rate of everybody else. But we're also in this together, right? Like kind of mission driven of what you're all trying to accomplish. That's exactly right. I think about my like old insurance agent, he ended up selling his agency and financial advisor. They are like deep family friends. So much of what, what builds a really good trusting relationship where I refer them all the time is they are so down to earth. They're family folks like we are. And that's a, that's a really important, you know, really important part. Cool. Love that. Love that. All right, Pamela, this is this is the cake that I came to this party for right now. Right. And it's, <laughs> it's this idea of how do you identify your ecosystem, right? Like we, we teach this methodology of creating a live version internet talk show that works in concert with your podcast in order to like bring people closer and create this community. And one of the things that we try, that we identify for folks is, you know, what are your content lanes, right? Like what are the, what are the things that the people that you serve really, really care about? And, you know, those are the topics that you're going to talk to at large. And then how do you find the people to talk about those topics with so that they want to come to the party. For example, you, right? Uh, Like a great author that, that has this like ecosystem marketing thing. The folks that I do business with want to come here and talk to you. And I love in your book, the, the way that you phrase this is, is you find watering holes. Can you, can you talk me through that? Oh, actually real quick, before I say that, I just want to give a, a shout out to, to Deb, who is, Put a shared document in the chat, and she's taking notes as we talk. And I'm watching them go live. It's incredible. So, so Deb, I want to I want to share these notes that you're making in the show notes. So, do yourself a favor. Put your like LinkedIn link at the top of this thing, so that whenever anybody opens this document, they can connect with you. All right. So, watering holes, Pamela. <laughs> we, you know, the way to the way to identify your ecosystem is via watering holes. Can you can you describe to me? what that means. And then let's dive into a little bit of like really cool tactics that you've identified in order to do that. For sure. And thank you, Deb. I love that. Great. I love community members who chip in without being asked. It's wonderful. So here's at first a concept, because sometimes when we start to talk about ecosystem building, I hear people frame it in the terms of, yes, I'm really interested in community and help me learn how I can build an ecosystem around my business. 
To which I always say, you don't actually have to build the, the ecosystem. The ecosystem already exists. And it's not actually built around your business. It's built around your ideal client or customer. So when we think about the person. So we have maybe that financial, that, that person who wants to be investing, getting a great return from a trusted advisor with Lee or all the other things that, that folks on this call are doing. They are in the center of an ecosystem. And what I mean by that is there are places in person and online where they're looking for information, tools, support. They are hiring service providers. Many of them are using products like software products in order to help them reach their objective. They're tuned into media hubs. They may be watching shows on television. They may be listening to podcasts. And they are already looking all these places for information. This is where, not shockingly, it goes back to our earlier conversation about mission and values, because the way that you really discover who that person is, is they are on a mission that you care about. So you have to find, yes, I'd love to work with people who are dealing with this, this particular challenge. And from a values perspective, the people who would be in their ecosystem, our clients are usually making a lot of decisions based on values, which is very helpful to you. Because if you relate to that person really well, and you know they're choosing you because there's values alignment, they're probably making other decisions the same way in terms of who else they're paying attention to and the products they're listening to. Meaning, you know, the products they're using, like things like software or professional services, or maybe new shows or podcasts they're listening to. So with that as a framework, the watering holes are simply places in that ecosystem, in person or online, where somebody else wonderful, you in this case, Pablo, have already gathered people together to talk about a topic that I could talk about all day, that you could talk about all day, because we are aligned in this mission of teaching people how to build community and build strong businesses as a result. We already have that alignment and connection. But for me to show up when you have done all this hard work to gather people together and build community is a really strategic way in order for me to build a business. So going back to our travel metaphor, right, where, where I'm looking at that way for all the different partners that I might connect to. I might say of all the different software products that any of you might use in order to run your business, is there an out front leader that would be the very best kind of partner that I might approach to be a sponsor for my event. I, I did a big uh, research project a number of years ago with Susan Beyer, who I, I mentioned in the book. She's the audience expert in chapter three. And we did an attitudinal segmentation survey of over 2,000 small business owners asking them about their attitude toward obstacles and problems or challenges. And so we asked them as part of the questions in the survey, what different tools do you use? What kind of software do you use? And it happened to, at that case, this was a couple of years ago, of all those people, that very top software was HubSpot. So this would be really strategic information for me to know, okay, and, and the, the, the survey went out actually through organic channels, through my own connections and clients and, and friends and family. And so through that, that would be a good indicator of all the different companies to connect to that might be a good partner to have. So with that in mind, the same thing would be for in-person events. And thank goodness we can finally we can finally connect. I'm speaking almost every week in May and I'm so excited we can finally safely gather again. But the same thing would be true of all the different events that you could speak at or attend. What would be the biggest watering hole that is filled with A, ideal clients, B, really amazing partners, what I call peanut butter and jelly partners, people with highly complementary skills that might be fellow presenters. And then very frequently, the sponsors of those events are also companies that you could probably do work with. It's like the absolute trifecta of, of community building totally. in events. And that's why strategically, if you're thinking about where to spend your time, you could get tremendous benefit from maybe one or two events if you are really planning and preparing the way that you navigate through that experience. Oof, that was a golden nugget right there. I'm gonna have my team clip that and paste that across all my social media channels. So if you could just give this a pause right now, go into the show notes and connect with me on whatever platform you like to follow me on, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever you wanna be a part of my life in, 
connect with me there. I'm going to share that clip and you can share it with your friends so that they get the same lesson. It'll be adding value to their life. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Hit five-star review, right? You don't have to leave a review. You just got to hit five stars. If you want to leave a review, cool. And maybe send the episode to your friend. That would be awesome. That's it. I'm done. Back to the show. I just want to be like, hell yeah. Note to self, go to Pamela Slim keynote at events. <laughs> right, for me. Um, <laughs> man, that's that's so brilliant. And I think a lot of people underestimate how powerful that can be, right? Finding the providers, finding the the tools that your customers also use, right? As a as a access to other things and who their customers are and and, and what and what their marketing channels are. Finding keynote speakers at the events that your customers follow, right? Like keynote speakers that somebody follow, what events they go to, who are the sponsors of those events uh, gives you you know, like looking into who the tools are, who are the other speakers, gives you a bunch. You also gave an unbelievably great strategy in the book that is, if it's, if you're thinking about, and, and I want to frame this as, I think that people often will be like, well, you know, James Clear is the guy that all my customers follow, but James Clear is not going to pay attention to me. He's a New York Times bestselling author, but the people that recommend his book, the people that write the foreword in his book, the quotes that he puts on there, right? Like starting from the center of the universe and seeing it as a constellation and 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 the things that are around that are big, right? Like I I look at I look at the person that hosts the podcast of the thing that I care about, Christopher Lockhead, category design. And while Lockhead hmm. is a surprisingly approachable dude because I have a podcast, the people that are on his show are even more approachable. And those are watering holes all to myself, right? So like, I, I love that you broke out kind of like key person and then how you can just go concentric circles out of that. Am I, am I missing other really, really tactical kind of like pieces of advice in that? It's not, it's not missing. It's exactly the way that you begin to deconstruct it. And in many ways, it can be either talking to the person who might be your client immediately in front of you and saying, who are the other people? So from that person forward, it could be, do you have a colleague who might be interested in this? All the way through, who are the people who you consider to be the most aligned with your values and the most amazing subject matter experts in this area? Because in the example of James Clear, I love James and you know I, his work is amazing. I'm a huge fan of Atomic Habits. Also BJ Fogg who wrote Tiny Habits. But where each individual might be a little bit harder to reach, like you said, look at places where he might be speaking. And that is a way by default that you can say, probably people who are there are going to be sold on this idea of you know tiny habits, of being deliberate, of behavior change, approach to marketing or to life. And so it's it's really those pieces that can that can be so helpful. And the other thing that I've really learned over the years, because I, I had somebody ask that my wonderful Venezuelan friends who I was hanging out with for the wedding, <laughs> these two wonderful two young men that were actually in tech startups, they had, they're living in Mexico City now, but we were having this deep conversation. And I think they pulled up my book and they were like, oh my God, Dan Pink and like Guy Kawasaki and Brene Brown, like, how did you get these people to blurb your book? And once again, I went way back to, well, it didn't start by not knowing them at all and then going to, would you blurb my book? It was yeah. all these different conversations yeah. throughout the years. I remember meeting Dan Pink the first time in Washington, D.C. when I was speaking and I stood in line like every other fangirl with my book and I ended up finally meeting him in person. You know, he might have remembered a, an email message that I sent and it was through these little tiny micro moves that where there is alignment, this is another super important nuance that I want to underline three times and highlight is that when you, this, this really brings in a lot of the perspective of my last book, Body of Work. When you are approaching your work in ecosystem as someone who wants to be contributing something unique and valuable to the ecosystem, it is so critical that you can feel confident, even if you're a little bit less experienced than some people who you really admire, you are still in that field and you're working on important things in your own way that are important for the entire ecosystem to be bettering and for those problems to be solved. I, I tell the story a lot of Guy Kawasaki, who I met many years ago when I was a baby blogger, and he I wrote a post 
that I thought he might enjoy. I'd never met him before. I sent a, an email unsolicited to him saying, I love your blog. I thought I wrote this post. I thought you might like it. And he responded to my shock. So first of all, don't hesitate to just send out email messages to people who might seem totally un, you know, unapproachable. But I sent a message. He loved the post. He ended up including it on his blog the next day. And that was my huge viral break that the, the blog went totally viral. And after that, a couple of years later, we were doing a panel at South by Southwest and it was blog to book because eventually from that viral, that viral post, I, I got a lot of publishers that became interested and that's how I got my first book deal of Escape from Cubicle Nation with Penguin Portfolio. And so somebody said, well, like, how do you get the attention of these busy influencers? And he said, some people think that I have the Midas touch as in everything I touch turns to gold. He said, they have it wrong. I only touch gold. So that's where for each of us, it really calls us to be creating something unique and valuable. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're not whoever you consider to be somebody who's 30 years in the market, you can stand in confidence of making a connection because you're contributing something equally valuable. And in my experience, fancy people, as my son used to call him when he was little, even though they do have understandably a lot of barriers up to connect, they're more likely over time where you are that committed partner to bettering the entire ecosystem. So that was a long speech, but it's really important, I think, that we get out of this transactional thinking that if I just get the attention of that famous person, then I'm going to get my big break. Like it's only happened to me once in 25 years. So how's that for the odds? <laughs> right. Um, listen, I'm glad you went straight there, right? Because I, I was going to try to figure out a way to get you to tell that story and you went straight into it because you're a pro. You know, what, what, what sticks out to me in that story, right? And it's really empowering because I, I literally just this weekend sent Christopher Lockhead my best idea, which full circle is the idea that I've figured out. So there's something called the category constellation. There's ecosystem marketing. There's the watering holes concept. I started hitting up with like, hey, I'm thinking about this non-obvious connection about natural systems and business as growth levers, right? So he's like, okay, 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 okay. I like it. Workshop the workshop the languaging. And I, I ended up coming up with capitalist biomimicry, which is a spoiler alert. It's a, it's a newsletter I'm going to write about. But that being said, when you, when I first heard you tell that story, it was a lot like how you first started this idea of the watering hole. It's not about your business. It's about the watering hole that the client cares about. So even when it comes to Guy Kawasaki, he cares mm -hmm. about the thing that he was evangelizing. And you wrote a great non-obvious take on something that he inspired from you. And when you reached yeah. out to him, you weren't like, hey, here's my blog. Can you share it? You were like, you inspired this. And he's like, I touched it. It's gold. I inspired it. Now I have ownership of it. And that's why I feel compelled to help Pamela, right? Like that, that to me was like the really golden nugget. Yeah, it it and it it's just so uh it is it is hard to do but always for me the places where I I usually have the most luck at connecting the most with a person who I'm always writing for which is usually that individual reader that business owner who's just trying to make a difference and trying to grow their business and have more ease but when I am really connecting to what excites me what's a unique take what's not being said, it is, it is more likely for that to happen. And what is so important on the emotional side of community building, because I mean, oh my gosh, we could talk for three hours about that. How we know how wonderful it is to be building a business with other partners, how much heartbreak is sometimes involved in getting rejected, in reaching out to somebody you thought was amazing and learning that they're not amazing and they're a jerk or having a joint venture with somebody that has great promise. And then for whatever reason where it falls apart and you have to deal with the emotional aftermath, what it feels like sometimes to be included in a, in a community, to be not included. All of these are things that emotionally are strength that we need to develop as community builders, which is why it is so important to always stay focused on what is that mission that we have? Why is this work important? Or one of my dear friends, Todd Henry, who wrote many great books, but one of my favorites, Die Empty, says, what are you willing to lay your body down for and say, not on my watch? 
that that's that mission level thing of like, oh, it felt so bad to be burned by that person. And like, oh, I'm still stinging from that embarrassment when I went to the conference and I introduced myself to my hero and they looked over me and they ignored me. Or when I sent out that email for a new program that I was so excited about that I was sure would sell and nobody bought it. The thing that keeps you going is where you're like, this sucks right now, but I know that this is work worth doing. And I have a role. I have a role to play. It's the, this, this lets me dust off one of my old martial art metaphors, which I don't do much anymore, but I did Capoeira for 11 years after Brazilian martial art. And then black, I was a black belt in MMA in my forties. And I would always notice that I just say it to warn you, Pablo, in case ever you give me any trouble. I'm not afraid I, to defend myself. I'm just going to tap out preemptively <laughs> right now. I tap, I tap. <laughs> but, but one of the best lessons that I ever learned in martial arts was that in, while it's exciting to, to see somebody who's flying around the room and doing huge spinning kicks or in Capoeira, if anybody's ever seen it, doing backflips and circular kicks, it's so exciting. And I would always notice a difference between people that would come into class the first time and some would just look over and they're like, I just want to do that. I just want to do the backflips. I just want to jump really high and like kick that bag and impress all my friends. And the people actually that ended up usually sticking with it all the way mm -hmm. through the higher ranks were the people that just did what needed to be done at each step. And what you realize over time is the learning that you do emotionally, physically, spiritually, prepares you for that success when you have it. Because if you've ever had that experience yourself, where like all of a sudden you just like are in a, in a position where you have more leadership than you know what to do with, <clears throat> that can be overwhelming. So that's, that's where a lot of my passion for tiny marketing actions, for habits, for, for doing the work and building the business really comes in. And hey, I got to throw a good martial art metaphor in for anybody who likes martial arts. <laughs> yeah, I, listen, I, I just I just put in the chat that not only are you the coolest lady I've had on my show, you can also kick my ass. So like, it, it's really awesome. Man, you just described uh, that you hit that. So the chat's on fire, right? Like this idea that you're giving people life and, and, and this is so inspiring. I can completely relate to the way that Luisa feels and Trina feels right now because- in one description, you just described surfing for me, and you also described content creation for me. Right? Like, like you see people riding a big wave, but it's really all the you know all the times that I got, I felt like I was about to drown. That makes me super pumped about my two foot wave that I barely stood up on. Just like, just like the two hundred podcast episodes that makes me super pumped. The moment that Christopher Lockhead responds to me in a DM, kind of thing, right? Or or something like that. It's it's wonderful, and also. We've had some some Q and A questions here from Tony and Deb that I I, I want to get into if we have more time, but like they're they're basic. You know what? Let's get into it right now. I want I want to give value. Um, they're both basically talking. So Tony's talking about like not having a product to sell, but a mission to spread. And can he still create a community? And Deb is asking about you know how do you use strengths in your business and what is the key to pulling values and finding the right value and focus to narrow in on? And you just kind of hit that right in the nerve, right? Like it's what's the thing that you're willing to throw yourself on the sword for, right? Like mm -hmm. the idea to me when I was in my construction career that it was so transactional. All they thought about was like, nah, man, if we're not giving the price, you know, we're not going to get this contract. I'm like, bullshit relationships will always be transactions. And the moment that I read that in a, in a Jim Collins book, I was like, this is it. This is what I'm willing to die for. Right. So maybe, yeah. maybe if you can talk to this idea of how do you, how do you a little bit more on like the, what is the thing that you follow on the sword? And, and is mm -hmm. that the thing that's going to help you tease out the value and build a community, even if you don't have a product, is that kind of right? I think so. So I, in many ways, I could see maybe Deb and it was it Garrett or Lee, I forget who, who was saying about the, the not having a product yet. So, mm -hmm. so or Tony doesn't have community. a product yet. Lee Tony, is Tony, sorry, Tony. hard money. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So, so in that case, it, you can think about it where absolutely as somebody who is a passionate problem solver within an area that, you know, you have great passion for. To me, like that's often what community is built around where you have other people who are excited to help people do something. So to solve a problem that is really entrenched or to reach a particular aspiration. So where you have a unique take in that, where you're constantly somebody in social media and your own newsletter on a podcast, if you have it, 
in live events where you're somebody who is has an interesting perspective and you're sharing ideas and contributing to that, that for sure will be ways that you can begin to make connections where people are like, oh God, Tony's so interesting. Every time he opens his mouth in our in our meetings, he always says something that's really interesting. And the people he's referred to and the books that he's recommended have always been just super interesting books. So you can begin to mm. To be part of somebody's awareness and their ecosystem where you become somebody who is sharing interesting ideas. And we certainly see that with, I call it a beacon in the, in the model of the widest yeah. net, yeah, where an ecosystem and watering holes are places where you go where other kind people have already gathered community. Your beacon is your choice for your singular marketing or communication vehicle that you use to share your own thought leadership. What's so beautiful about podcasts, as you said, is it is that opportunity for you to also invite other ecosystem partners in, in order to have conversations and, and to broaden to broaden it. So from that perspective, and classically what for years we've called content marketing, that is a way to begin to build an audience. I'm speaking next week at CEX, which is a in And I tried so hard to go to that knowing that you would be there and I, I wasn't able to pull it up, but continue. Yeah, no. <laughs> I wish you could. I wish everybody yeah. could be there. But my good yeah. friends, Brian Clark, who founded Copy Blogger, some folks might know, and Joe Paluzzi, who did content marketing yeah. for a long time. But there, it, it's an event where there are just going to be so many people who are talking about you know building their business through content marketing. Brian Clark always says, you want to build an audience first before you create a product. And that's often in that listening and the engagement, listening, noticing the kind of questions people repeatedly have that you begin to notice what is that product or offering that's going to be unique. And I really resonate with that audience first perspective yeah. to a point where you also need to provide for yourself and your family, then that's the place where you might say, here's an entry point in which I can begin to build this relationship of yeah. commerce, which totally works. When it comes to strengths, I think that's a decision of discernment that you make. In some ways it could be of all the ways that you could be communicating with people, what is a strength? So I happen to be a writer, I love to write. I've had a newsletter forever since 2004. I love it as a main, main way of staying connected with people that I really enjoy. But that, these days, I'm actually starting a new podcast, the Widest Net Podcast, super excited on mm. May the 4th. As a, as, a, as a longtime Star Wars fan, I had to launch it on May the 4th. But that is an example of at this time for this particular purpose in the message of the book, that is a vehicle that probably is going to be more aligned with having conversations with ecosystem partners, right? And so yeah. part of the choices that you make all along the way can be around choice of communication vehicle, be in choice of what is the role that you wanna play in the creation of products and services, and as much as possible, stay aligned with your core strengths, doing the kind of things you wanna do. Yeah, that's another place where I really connected with the book, right? When you started talking about ecosystem and beacon, right? Like I've, I've always just, thought about like, wh how do I get to, you know, where everybody congregates? I never thought about the the watering hole analogy, but my language has always been be the bat signal for the things that you're trying to attract, right? So like, how can you put that up there and let people come to you? Which is why mid 2019, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go to a bunch of podcasting conferences because everybody there has an audience. So if I can meet a hundred podcasters and 20 of them, you know, like, I get along with really, really well. Now I have access to all these different audiences. And that's why I wanted to go to Content Inc. because it's all content creators as well. But I want to key in a little bit more for and and shout out to the Star Wars fans in the in the in the chat. I know that Gareth is yes. likely wearing a Boba Fett mar a mask right now. <laughs> and I wanted to I wanted to go a little deeper with with Deb, right? Because Deb has Deb has a bunch of products. She has mm -hmm. a Mighty Networks community and she's teaching about how to use Mighty Networks. And she's trying to figure out how do you find the right value to focus on for the people that she's selling something that's so universal. It's something I very much feel as well. Yeah. Well, I think that that's an example when you, when you might connect it to things for you that are that are really aligned and important. So it can be, if we think about the use of money networks, which can be for so many different kinds of people for different purposes, part of like deciding the general continent to go to would be, 
are there are there kinds of business owners or businesses that I would be super excited about? Is it really creative people? Is it people doing leadership? Is it folks who are doing equity work? Like whatever would be important to you, that could be that that first place in which you can begin to to define who would be an audience in a way that's aligned re- really with your mission and your strengths. And then as you get to know all the things that people might struggle with when trying to set up their mining networks. It could be everything from folks who may maybe just technologically challenged, and therefore you could have a very specific focus of being welcome to folks who might not naturally um, adapt to technology. It could be a way that you have like templates and tools streamlining the process so that you could just very quickly get up and running with your community. There's all kinds of different ways you could lean in based on the kind of specific work that you're interested in doing. So it's always this combination of what is the market telling you that they're interested in? And then when you imagining yourself spending your time doing things, what are the things that light you up? And you just have to find at least a couple points of connection where both of those things are connected. That's where like the passionate creators can be found along the roadsides of life. (laughs) And I'm sure all of us have been that person one way or the other where you're like, why doesn't anybody want my thing? And you just like drag it along and you try and you try and you try it's often because you're just not connecting with what people say they actually want. Brilliant. There you go, Deb. Pamela, I wanted to, there's two things that I really wanted to talk about. I think we're going to narrow it down to one, right? Like this, the care thing, I think people should really look up. It's a super innovative community learning space. You've really proven this idea of a beacon as a commercial real estate space. And I think people that are in commercial real estate need to start thinking differently. But the, the other thing that I really believe in what you're doing is these tiny marketing actions. And I know that you have a you have a workshop coming up that's launching this week, and tell tell me tell me the concept of tiny marketing actions. Let's riff on that because I there's no, I believe in that very very much. For sure. So this is the thing that I think can take the big strategic work that does take a little bit in order to decide like where is it that you want to play, who is your audience, all this foundational work, which is really the first third of the book. Once you identify the kinds of connections that you want to have the way in which you actually relationally build these connections is in tiny marketing actions. And that's where I'm very informed by the research from James Clear and and BJ Fogg about the fact that it really is about us showing up every day and taking really small actions. So concrete example, the other day, I was ironically thinking about talking about tiny marketing actions because I have a class coming up and it made me think, oh, I had somebody I talked to a couple of weeks ago about coaching. I see they haven't signed up yet. Let me just send a quick email and just say, hey, I was just checking in on your timing. Five minutes later, I had $4,000 in my account because he was like, oh, totally forgot. Here you go. And then the same thing, I was looking in that same, my same client portal. And I just went down the list of folks I talked to months ago who had deferred like talking to me later. And I reached out to one person. I said, I was just thinking about you today because I was. I was like, oh, I wonder what she's doing. And she was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I was just thinking about you. Do you still do all day intensives? So it can be those little things or just on a whim, deciding to reach out to somebody who like I did with Guy Kawasaki, who feels like they're unreachable, but you just do it anyway. I just wrote an email this morning to my list, remembering Earth Day, my dad was a big environmentalist. And I grew up as a kid where anywhere we went with my dad, we were always paying attention to where there was litter and we would stop and pick it up. So it's the exact same metaphor. (laughs) The first thing is to develop the awareness about what are little tiny actions you can take, even for each of you participating in chat today. For Deb, I think, who's taking the notes, like I love Pablo that you indicated, put your LinkedIn profile there, because I have a feeling that she's not doing it just because she wants the promotion. She's a a giving community person. But by virtue of doing that, of showing up every time you go to an event, every time there's a virtual event of introducing yourself and putting a link to your business are ways that you can take tiny marketing actions. And when you know the general areas you want to connect in, it makes it easy and it, it ends up totally totally increasing over the lifetime of your business, the flow of leads. It, it is incredible. I could tell you stories if we weren't three minutes away from ending, some of which I told in the book, but are amazing about the habit of tiny marketing actions and just taking these tiny little steps in order to be seeding opportunities. The key is to seed and then let go of expectation. So not refresh your inbox every five minutes, just mm. seed and then let it go. And it's, it's really powerful. 
I'm signing up for this course for the record, right? Like I, there's, there's nothing I believe in more, right? I, I, I know that we're, we're up against it, right? But here's a, here's a tiny marketing action. Every time that I go to a city where there is either a conference or an event, or I'm going to visit a client, if I'm there on a work trip and I'm not there with my wife and I'm allowed to be an insane extrovert, then I look, <laughs> I, I look into my LinkedIn. I think I look at all the people that are in that city. And I say, and I, and I try to stay at a hotel that has like a cool happy hour thing, like a rooftop yeah. thing or whatever, like at the Drake in, in, in Chicago or whatever. And I'll reach out to like 30 people and say, Hey, I'm in the city. I'm going to, I'm going to buy a round of drinks right at the Drake. I did like a tea party and I get nine to 12 people to show up. And all of a sudden, boom, you just hosted a networking event in a city that you flew into for no reason. You connect some people from, from where you are, you know, from the event that you're going to maybe other people in your network and make that connection. And that has led to a contract, right? Like it's, you know, I, I call it in my speaking points of networking, I call it be inviting, just have stuff to invite people to, whether it's checking in with you for this, or I'm running a 5k, maybe you want to do it with me or, you know, whatever, you know, have no expectation, send them advice, send them things. I, 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 I can't wait to hear all your tiny marketing actions. I'm in. I love it. I have two fun ones just for people. If you haven't Go. done it, any sports, any sports parents here being a, a soccer parent myself, introduce yourself to other parents and just say, Hey, what do you do for a living? We always hang out. We're screaming at the you know referees all the time together. Like, what do you do for a living? It's amazing what you can find out sometimes to ask other sports parents. The other thing is my the drive-through in Starbucks. If you go to a regular Starbucks, I have long, deep conversations now with so many folks who work there. I've done my, I've sold my books to their parents and things like that. Just by like, they're always like, how's your day today? I'm like, how's yours? How you doing? And Every day we engage in little tiny conversations. It's amazing how far that can go. So have fun with it when, when you're planting the seeds. I literally just paid for the course as we're talking. Pamela, I appreciate <laughs> you so much. I, I just want to, before everybody signs off, because I'm doing with Pamela, we are doing the kickoff for the flywheel. If you're here, I invite you to join. Just stick around. We're going to make everybody a panelist. We're going to get to know each other and talk about how we do this thing. Even if you're not a boot camper, we got past boot campers. We got future boot campers. We got people like Gareth who just stalks us everywhere and hangs out and all the things. Gareth, I see you. <laughs> Pamela, man, I, you know, this, this, you have just officially become my favorite watering hole, right? Like, I don't know if that's weird to say to somebody, but, but no, I, I no, just, we, we, we get it, right? We are perfect peanut butter and jelly partners, right? Let's say that because you yeah. give a very specific, right? Complimentary service. I love the connection, right? With your, with your fun community. And those are things to pay attention to. So I appreciate you so much. I appreciate everybody who's on the call. Garrett, I'll leave you with a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu phrase that, that my friend Carlos, who teaches always says, which is train hard, fight easy, right? Like when you do that work in order to do the strategic work, when it comes to actual opportunities, like you are ready. So it's such a joy and a pleasure and an honor to be connected. Thanks so much for sharing your community with me. I will uh, stalk you for every keynote that you are giving from henceforth. <laughs> so be prepared. Excellent. That sounds good. Thanks for joining Thanks, us, Thanks, everyone. Pamela. Can you feel a best friendship blossoming there? Me and Pamela, we're going to be buddies. <laughs> All right. As promised, the events that we are going to, we're going to go to the Growth Now Movement Summit live. That is May 20th and 22nd in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. That is a personal development conference. I'm taking my whole leadership team out there. Me, Isar, Gino, we're going out there, hosted by Justin Shank. You can hear all about that in episode 166, where he's talking about the keys to pulling off a live event. If you are in the Philadelphia area, Pittsburgh area, anywhere like that, New Jersey, would love to hang out with you there. Next place we're going to is PodFest in Orlando, May 26th to the 29th. I'm going to be hosting a relationship flywheel panel at PodFest Invest on May 26th. And Isar is going to be keynoting at PodFest as well. One of the reasons why I go to podcasting conferences, which I started going to way before I became a podcaster, is because networking with people that have audiences is a very high leverage use of your networking time, not to mention podcasters are awesome. The ability to meet a bunch of great people that have a voice and have a platform. And if you make 25 friends and five of them put you on your po on their podcast, you really made like 500 friends. Super, super high value activity. Check that out at podfestexpo.com. And last but not least, just announced Donnie Boyvins, 
Badass Business Summit. Check it out at BadassBusinessSummit.com, September 22nd to 24th in Fort Worth, Texas. Donnie was the guest on episode 90 of my podcast, and I went to his summit last year, spoke at it last minute, and he was kind enough to ask me to emcee it and keynote it. So if you want two days of great um, small and medium-sized business advice on how to grow, and you want to be thoroughly entertained by me for two days in Texas, it's a really inexpensive summit for like what it's going to be. Really, really good mix of people. Donnie is a sales expert. His partner, Kevin, is a scale expert. A lot of really valuable stuff there. Hope you join me in Fort Worth, December 22nd, 24th. And now, the Marble Movie Digger Way. I don't know if you realize, but at the end of that episode, as soon as we started talking tiny marketing actions, I lit up. <laughs> and so did Pamela. To me, this is the key to all of it, right? Like these tiny marketing actions is essentially networking with marketing. And that is at the base of everything that I do. It's all about how can you create touch points with people that allow you to stay in front of them in a value add way, in a way that you are adding, not subtracting, not, hey, can I get 15 minutes to pitch you my thing? But hey, here's something I thought would be helpful to you, thought about you, here it is, right? Whether it is inviting someone to something that you think is useful, sending them a piece of content that may help them, or facilitating an introduction. This whole thing, this relationship flywheel, internet talk show methodology, it is just one giant machine of tiny marketing actions, right? It is the invite to meet somebody that's interesting like Pamela. It is the conversation that we have in the chat while I'm introducing people to each other. And then it is the creation of content that I can then forward to people um, that allows me to show up with a little value add when it makes sense. So I hope that you join us, tinyurl.com slash B2B CB season five link is in the chat in the um, show notes. Sorry about that. Join us on Mondays. What we're doing now is you get to be part of it from 430 to 530. And then we're doing these relationship driven growth strategy sessions that happen right after where we're getting probably like 15 to 20 people just showing up asking for advice. We're going to start publishing some of this on the podcast as well and on LinkedIn as well. Um, but it becomes basically a networking hour afterwards. So you meet the people that are on the show like Gareth and Don and Jesse and, and Colleen and Deb and all the people that are that have been showing up lately, right? So come on by, check it out in the, in the show notes and I hope to see you at the next show. And as always, I'm going to thank my team. Number one, I want to thank Rowan who helps me coordinate this. She's the one that is helping me book the guests and she's in the chat managing the community. I want to thank JP who's editing this stuff and putting it together. I want to thank Nicola who's turning into the best writer in the world on our team. He's running the descriptions and the captions and stuff like that. I want to thank Joyce. I want to thank Joanna. I want to thank Marge. I want to thank Gina, our COO and our chief heart officer who is the center of our culture and I want to thank my partner Esar for jumping on this ride with me and helping us build out this business and remember until next time never forget that relationships will always be more valuable than transactions